Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Sundays, roughly around noon or so, give or take, depends on what we have going on as we get into the meat of the college football season. It kicks off on Thursday evening. Cannot wait. It has been a long time coming. Lots to dive into. We're going to talk about the UIU Cougars. That is Nebraska's opening opponent on September 5th. Kickoff at 2.30 p.m. in Memorial Stadium. Really good-looking team. Lots to dive into on that area as well. We will also make some college playoff picks as well. Which conference out of the Power Five, debate that a little bit today, is not getting into the college football playoff. Only four can go, and there are five Power Five leagues out there. Interesting to see who I think will be left out of the college football playoff. And... At the very end, we'll make some conference champion picks. I think I have said, uh, at least in the Power 5 League, who I think will win the conference championship games against their other opponents. We'll dive into that as well. And with that, we said good to have you with us. I'm Brandon Scose. This is the Scose Nose Show. BYU, man, what a huge opponent for the Huskers on Saturday this week. Probably one of the biggest home games since Nebraska faced Oklahoma State 12 years ago in an opening game at Memorial Stadium. Where at the time when they came in, you know, you had a really good wide receiver in Rashawn Woods, an Oklahoma State program that was on the up and up, an Oklahoma State team that beat Nebraska the year before that on the road when the Huskers were up there and a pretty big upset when Nebraska was there. Now there's a chance for some redemption and the start of a new era in Nebraska football history with Mike Riley and his staff ready to go, ready to lace it up and put it out there. And there'll be a lot of interesting eyes, not just within our fan base, but across the country. There's a lot of things to dive into in terms of storylines for this game starting off with the fact of BYU's quarterback, 
Taysom Hill. There is no question this guy is legit. Now, Nebraska may not see a quarterback of this caliber in terms of his running and throwing ability all season. It's a tough, tough, tough answer for the defense to take over in a first game with a new defensive coordinator that even though he's letting the defense play a little looser, play a little faster, make some bigger plays, it's still putting a lot of pressure on Nebraska's defense to do the one thing that they've struggled with mightily in the past few years, which is stopping mobile quarterbacks. They just haven't done a very good job of it. And to be honest with you, not a lot of people have across the country. You look at the success Oregon is having in their offense across the country. They are really, really dictating tempo to teams based on the quarterback's ability to run and throw the ball. There is a huge paradigm shift in college football right now that if you have a mobile quarterback and he can run, you have to let him run. You have to get him outside. You have to make defenses account for him. you got to spread him out a little bit. And that seems to be a formula out there that a lot of defenses just don't have a way to stop. Just can't stop that right now. And Nebraska is no different than a lot of schools out there. The question remains, even with a new defensive philosophy, how effective can Nebraska's defense be on stopping Taysom Hill's large runs during the game. I think, to me, that's the, that's the key factor. He's going to make plays. He's going to be able to throw the ball some down the field. Nebraska has to eliminate the big-time runs that he has during the game. And they're like game changers. I mean, look what he did against Texas a couple of years ago. He rushed for over 200 yards himself and had almost 400 yards of total offense himself. He just had a phenomenal game. But so did the whole rest of the BYU team. This is a good team. They lose a little firepower, losing their starting running back. That hurts them, I think, in the long run, hurts them, I think, a lot more than, than people think because of the fact that you just don't have another option back there. And I think that's just really one of those things that, you need you need a complement to that, so it's not all on Taysom Hill. The other question is in terms of injuries. Nebraska's been plagued with them already in fall practice. So has BYU. And suspensions. We're not necessarily really sure at this point who BYU is suspending for how long and if any of those players who are suspended, if, they'll make, if they're players who would make a big impact in this game. Brocko Mendenhall, the head coach of BYU, has been very hush-hush about who those people are, what he's going to do with them, and how long their suspension is for. My guess is is based off the, the fight they got into in their bowl game against Memphis where they came back and won. My guess is is that they will have to probably sit at least a game. I, I can't imagine in this day and age of college football how you can allow pretty much your almost your entire bench or a good chunk of your bench clear the field and get into a mad brawl with another school and yet not be suspended the whole game. The question is, is that if the guys who are suspended, do they travel with the team? 
Are they big immediate players on the defensive side of the ball? And to me, I think that's going to be the interesting side to watch. It's going to be interesting on both sides. We're, we're with Tommy Armstrong again this year. I know a lot of Husker fans out there probably aren't happy to hear that. You know, Tommy Armstrong's the guy right now. But the question is, is can Langsdorf work his magic? Can he turn Tommy Armstrong into a more efficient passer and a more efficient decision maker? That's been Tommy's big deal. I don't question his athletic ability. I don't question his ability to run the football with his feet, the dynamic he gives and the chance that when it gets clicking for him in his mind, he can play pretty well. I mean, look what he did in the second half in the Holiday Bowl against USC. He did pretty well. The issue we ran into, though, is that you kind of wonder if what Tommy, what side of Tommy Armstrong you're going to see. The guy who can move the ball against USC, pretty good defense, good NFL talent on that team, or the guy who played on the road at Michigan State who really looked pretty bad, or the guy who played on the road at Wisconsin last year and looked pretty bad. I mean, he's chew up and down, and to be honest with you, there are high hopes for this team this year. I will dive in a little bit in this show of what I think Nebraska's record will be this year. I think it can be pretty good. What we have now at the top is you have a stability, you have a head coach, who I think will make adjustments in the game. Bo Pelini's stable problem, I thought, when he was at Nebraska, was his inability to make adjustments. When the ball started to bounce against him and teams were gashing his defenses, he wouldn't make adjustments. And it, it was obvious. I mean, there's no question that he got outcoached in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. I thought he got outcoached last year against Gary Anderson and Wisconsin at that point. I mean, you knew what they were going to do, and you still couldn't stop it. You know, that happens. It snowballs a little bit. But I think the simplicity of everything that Banker is trying to do, I think changes the dynamic of the defense a little bit because I think now the guys can do the one thing they need to do, which is play, move to the football, not think so much. And I saw at times we were overthinking things. As we look into BYU and their offense, there's no question. They're a run-oriented offense first. They're going to spread the ball. They've got a couple of really big wide receivers on the outside. You know, before Taysom Hill got hurt, they were 4-0. They were ranked 18th in the country. They were at, He was averaging roughly 65% completion percentage, and he also ran for almost 500 yards in their first four games, and he had eight touchdowns on the ground. He was having a Heisman-like type year right out of the gate, and – he got hurt, broke his leg. That hurt a little bit. He's been on the mend a little bit of trying to get himself back to being 100%. Didn't do that much in spring ball. I'm interested to see if BYU will let him run as much as he has in the future because of the fact he, he's he been a little injury prone. You've seen that with Braxton Miller. That's the one downside of having a mobile quarterback if you want him to run a lot. He better have some durability, and Tyson Hill hasn't had that much. Defensively, their front four should be fairly decent. They did lose their big-time pass rusher from last year. I'm not really totally certain that there's going to be that type of impact player. I mean, they had like a Vic Beasley-type defensive end guy that could be a game-changer for them when they wanted him to. 
but their linebackers are solid. And the thing about BYU that you're going to find is that they play really sound football. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They make you beat them. And to me, the X factor in this entire game on Saturday is going to be the team that turns the ball over the less and makes the less mistakes will win. There's no question about that. You have a team in BYU that's going to play a lot of big-time schools. This team plays UCLA. They play us. They play Michigan State down the road. There's a lot of good teams BYU will play, and BYU will get tested. I don't think they have an outside shot to make the playoff this year. I'm not really sure an independent can make the playoff. Really the only team I think that has a legitimate chance is probably Notre Dame. We'll talk about that later. Um, because of the fact that their marquee teams that they will play are ranked higher. Um, Nebraska finds itself on ranked to start the season again this year. Not surprising considering we were unranked at the end of last season. But that only means that Nebraska's got a good starting point. It can start now and start to build up and work its way back up back up into the rankings in some way. And I'll tell you what, as we transition here a little bit into talking about the Big Ten West, I mean, it's wide open here. I mean, I don't think I've ever been in a league where there's so many question marks across, I mean, across all the teams. I mean, in the Big Ten West right now, which team doesn't have any kind of question issues. Let's go with Illinois for starters. They just fired Tim Beckman last week in the midst of this player mistreatment that he had, which was almost atrocious, I think, when it comes out of all of a sudden done of making guys play hurt, forging medical documents to cover up severity of injuries. Um, it's pretty disgusting, really, when you when you think about it. And to be honest with you, I didn't think Tim Beck would survive if he didn't make it back to a bowl game and won a bowl game. They made a bowl game last year. They lost their bowl game to Louisiana Tech last year. But people would probably kind of question the fact of how they could have made it. Northwestern has a ton of quarterback concerns already. They just named their quarterback um, yesterday. They're going to go with their redshirt freshman for them. And it's, it's just, I, it's hard to make out what Northwestern's going to be. I'm not really sure exactly how good they can be. I mean, think about the fact of the matter is they just they haven't played well. You know, Clayton Thorson's going to be the starting quarterback. They're going to start a true freshman. He can run, he can throw. But a defense has been average at best, and their schedule is pretty tough. They play Stanford on Saturday at home, who's ranked number 21 in the country. And then two weeks later, they play at Duke. You know, they could go two and two in the non-conference, and then they play Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, uh, Nebraska, and State, Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois. It's a tough schedule this year. And this is a team last year that beat Notre Dame, that beat Wisconsin, but yet couldn't play consistent enough. Couldn't beat Nebraska at home. Couldn't beat big-time teams when it needed to. I mean, it, it's been one of those type of season, and to be honest with you, Pat Fitzgerald, I think, is kind of on the hot seat a little bit for Northwestern, simply in the fact that I think he's got to produce, he's got to show this team is making a move in the right direction and is moving towards getting back to a bowl game, and to me, I think that'd be a successful season. 
Minnesota has a ton of questions in terms of their passing game. Without Max Williams now, and David Cobb has gone at their running back, I'm not necessarily concerned about their running back situation. Jerry Kill's a good coach. They've always recruited good running backs. But without Max Williams, they do not have a legitimate threat in the passing game they did last year. And Mitch Leitner's been a very average quarterback, throwing the ball at best. There's no question. They're a dark horse in the Big Ten West team race. I think that they could make a legitimate run, but they also play Ohio State and they play TCU on Thursday night this week. So we're going to find out right out of the gate how serious Minnesota is as well. You go to Wisconsin, brand new head coach, Paul Chris. Yeah, they're not making a lot of changes to the system that they ran as well. But I'm not necessarily sold that Joel Stave is going to have a big-time breakout year, and their wide receivers have been average. They really, really did hurt offensively in the passing game, not having Jared Aberderis. There's no question about that. His ability to just have a legitimate deep threat at running back really could change the tide for them in a lot of games. You don't have that, and now you don't have Melvin Gordon. You don't really have a guy in the backfield you can super lean on. I'm not so Corey Clement is the next guy. He's not as big as Melvin Gordon. He's only 5'11", weighs about 180, 190 pounds. He's not 6'2", 225 pounds. I question Clement's durability. I question Clement's attitude a little bit, calling out Nebraska in the Big Ten media days, talking about how Nebraska's old-fashioned and, and there's a flip phone. To me, don't start talking about being a bigger person or – trash-talking another team until you actually can show you can back it up. I don't think he has that great of a year. And to be honest with you, the biggest issue has been Wisconsin's offensive line. The bread-and-butter statement of Wisconsin's always been up front. They've always had big guys, always had really good linemen. Now they got a lot of holes to fill on that line. That line, not terribly great. Iowa, Jake Rudock is gone to Michigan. C.J. Beathard is there supposedly the best guy didn't play very well in their spring scrimmage last week. Lots of question marks now in terms of the running backs that are getting beat up. Offensive linemen are getting beat up. And defense may have a pretty good defensive line with Drew Ott is going to be a really good uh, player for him. But I'm really questioning the back seven. The secondary has been suspect at times. The linebacking depth hasn't been there for Iowa. And this is a big year for Kurt Ferentz. I don't know if the Iowa fans can be okay with another 5-7, and 4-8 and eight type of year if he doesn't produce some more wins and beat better teams and get back to a bowl game. I just don't think there's going to be a lot for Kurt Ferentz. But the problem they're still running into is they can't buy him out. You know, Kurt Ferentz is on a ridiculous amount of money over the life of his contract. They cannot buy him out. So it'll be really interesting to see, especially like last year. They got started off with a nice win against Pitt. Then the next week, lost Iowa State on, at home. So up and down too much. There's just no way it's going to translate into a good, happy feeling. And I would tell you, Iowa fans are probably more disgusted about the way they played against Nebraska. Had a chance to get a win, had a chance to possibly get to a bowl game at that point in time. They lost. They finished 5-7 and seven last year, not 6-6. Six and six, Missed out of the bowl game. And it's in the manner in which they lost. And, again, they were leading. Second half, let Nebraska come back. Great win for the Huskers that put it in overtime and to finally get the win. 
But Iowa had their chance. Iowa definitely had their chance as well. And you look at Purdue. You know, David Appleby's going to be Appleby's going to be the quarterback now. But Danny Edling is gone, so new starter at quarterback. You know, I I don't know. I think Derek Hazel has a lot on his plate at that place. There's some high expectations to start winning and winning now. And for what he did at Kent State, there's no question. They want to see that, and they want to see that now. The issue they're running into a little bit is they just don't have the depth right now. They don't have the talent. Defensive line could be pretty good. Um, I think that's a dangerous game for Nebraska to go on the road on Halloween at the end of October and get to go up and play. Um, in West Lafayette could be a little bit of a danger for Nebraska. It just t- tends to be West Lafayette is one of those places where a good team is coming in, rolling, and then you can find yourself losing pretty quickly as well. And then you look at Nebraska. Nebraska has its own question marks as well. Not sure in terms of continuity on their offensive line at this point. A lot of question marks to be put. They want to put five guys in there. And then you may have the most athletic returning quarterback in the country. The problem, though, is is that what's Tommy Armstrong going to be? Is he going to get better or is he going to level out? And he's starting to kind of level out like Taylor Martinez has kind of done in his first two years where he got a little better his second year, but then he didn't really do well his third year. And then his last year didn't really play that much because he basically hurt his foot for getting angry for playing bad against Wyoming, and then we didn't see him the whole rest of the year. What Tommy Armstrong will show up? I'm not necessarily really sure just yet, but to me, I think Nebraska can win the West Division this year. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility as well. And when I look at Nebraska's schedule, I think there are ten wins out there for Nebraska to get. I think it's crazy to think that this team can't win more than nine games this year. We got a better coach than Bo Pelini. There's no question. I think his character has shown out tremendously. He's a people guy. And I think that's exactly what Nebraska needed more than a me me first guy. And that's what Bo was. Bo was a me me first guy, then you. Um, Mike Riley's not like that. Mike Riley's a people first guy. He embraces what Nebraska is. He's got the Nebraska values ingrained in him. I think it's easy to connect to a guy like that. And I think that will help Nebraska down the road having a guy you can relate to and, and rally behind. I don't Feel, I didn't feel like I could relate to Bo Pelini when he was a head coach. Now, I think that's a little different. I feel like I can re- you know, really relate to Mike Riley because I'm a nice guy, and I think he's a nice guy too. And I enjoy the interactions I've had with him. I've met him many times already. Um, very nice, very down-to-earth, very humble person. I think that will go well for him. And I think those guys have some tricks up their sleeve. I think they understand they are tremendous evaluators of talent. There's no question. You look at the recruiting that's going on right now, they are killing it in the recruiting sense. They are after Jen Stanley Morgan is going to be a huge in-time, big-time impact. Dedrick Young is going to make an impact at linebacker. There's no question about talent they're recruiting and the potential they see for them to make immediate impacts for Nebraska when they come into the university next season. They're doing a great job on that. I like his recruiting philosophy in general. He's giving it out. He's spreading it out to other people who do more of the evaluating. They have a criteria. It flows to him. He makes decisions. It's just streamlining the way you recruit, and Nebraska's aggressive. These guys are aggressive recruiting. They're not afraid to go and recruit people 
that wouldn't look at Nebraska other way, and they've been doing that. They've been getting guys on campus. Look at the quarterbacks they have got to commit already. They identified both of these guys early. They got into their living rooms early before they went to camps, got them both to commit, and now other schools are looking at them. Terry Wilson is being recruited by Oregon now only because he starred in a Nike camp out on the West Coast earlier this summer. Had he not done that, I don't necessarily know if he would be on Oregon's radar. So with that, the two games I think Nebraska is going to have a hard time beating is Michigan State. I hate to say that because it's a home game and I want to win all of our home games, but that's a good team. There's no question. They've got a lot of talent. I'm curious to see how their wide receiver and running back situation will play out. But you got Connor Cook. You got a winner at quarterback. They will probably have the best offensive line in the Big Ten. That's saying a lot considering the other team in the division is Ohio State. But I think they have the best offensive line. And that offensive line, I think, could really do some big things for anybody that they have that plays running back. Connor Cook's been a really good quarterback. It's a tough road game. Nebraska's beaten good quarterbacks at home. They've done it before. It's not a real possibility for them to pull that upset at home. But I think that's a really hard win to do. And I'm I'm going to throw the Miami one out there. I'm not really sure Nebraska is going to be focused enough to beat Miami on the road. To me, those are the only two losses I see Nebraska enduring. You look at their road schedule in the conference, they're winnable games. Nebraska now easily can beat Illinois with Tim Beckman gone and their entire program basically in shambles on the road. I'm not sold on Rutgers. I don't think Kyle Flood will make it this season. A rumor came out last week that he was making contact with a professor requesting about um, a student-athlete's grades, which is a huge no-no, and now the chancellor and the president are investigating. I don't think Kyle Flood will make it especially if it comes back to find out that he was influencing a professor to change a grade on a student-athlete in a particular class, that would be pretty bad. You look at Purdue, it's a trap. I think that's the trap game for Nebraska, but it's still winnable. And then you got the hardest road game is Minnesota. But to me, I think Nebraska has to understand they have to win against Minnesota and Wisconsin in back-to-back weeks in October. There's no question. They have got to – they're going to get – unlike last year where they played both of them late in the season, this year they're right out of the gate. And when you get beat up later in the season, you're going to be playing Rutgers on the road, Iowa at home, those games you feel you can beat and win those games even when you get beat up. I mean, think about it. Nebraska does not have a bye week for the first 11 weeks of the season until the week before September. That's crazy to think this team will go 11 straight weeks playing games. They're going to get beat up. I mean, by game eight, nine, that's the, that's the Purdue game on the road. That's the Michigan State game at home. Those are going to be some really interesting games to see how tough Nebraska is, how in how in shape they are. I've heard good things about our conditioning so far to this point. So it'll be really, really interesting to see at that point of the season as well. As we get kind of 
close to the end of the show here. About two and a half minutes left, so we're going to roll through this real fast. College champ, conference champion. It's called Power 5 Conference Champion. The ACC, I think, Florida State will win the Atlantic. I like Georgia Tech to win the Coastal. I'll go Georgia Tech to win in a rematch of last year. I think they're legit. I like their quarterback. They have the Big 12. I'm giving a nod to TCU because of what I saw Jervon Boyd can do. That offense is going to be by far the best in the Big 12. They get Baylor at home. They get Oklahoma on the road. But Oklahoma's a dark horse. Now they got Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. I'm not ruling out Oklahoma, but I don't like Baylor as much as everyone thinks. I'm really questioning their quarterback situation. Without Bryce Petty, I'm not really sure, even with a really, really good core of wide receivers, how good they'll be. I'm going to take Michigan State to win the Big Ten over Nebraska. I think Nebraska will get the win against them in um, in November. I'm going to give I'm going to give it to Michigan State, simply on the fact that I, I'm not going to pick Ohio State to win. Everybody has to me. That's where enough that's going to come. Michigan State plays the underdog card super well, and this is a prime prime year for playing the underdog for Mark Antonio. Out in the Pac-12. Man, it's, it's hard. I'm going to go with Stanford to win the Pac-12 North over Oregon. Not sold that Vernon Davis is going to be, or Vernon Adams is going to be the answer at quarterback. I think it's really quick for him to find out, but I like Stanford. I also think they'll play Arizona State, and I will take Arizona State to win the Pac-12 as well. And then in the SEC, I'll take Georgia to win the East, and I will go with A&M to win the West with Georgia winning the SEC and the as a, out of those four conference champions, Michigan State, I don't think the SEC gets into the college football playoff this year. I think there's too much even parity. You look at the top teams in the league, they all have huge quarterback questions. I like AM. I think they're a sleeper in that division. You look at the rest of the teams in there, got to break a new quarterback outside of Mississippi State, but I'm not told that. Um, Dak Frank Scott can do it all by himself anyway. Live show comes on you next Sunday. We'll break down PYU. College football season is upon us. Until then, goes is out. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.